We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined as always by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the Rotoviz Overtime podcast. Sean, week four is done and dusted, and we're recording this on Tuesday the 5th of October. Week four was one of the most enjoyable weeks, I would guess, for, for us of definitely this season, but in recent seasons i wouldn't say that i went undefeated this past weekend but it was it was pretty damn close to it and i'm sure based on the rosters that will have constructed both in season long and dynasty that will be uh, probably in the same boat so week four for myself was extremely enjoyable how is it how's it for you it was great right i mean this is one of the best fantasy weekends really ever and certainly for a long time and and that includes you know, last year, which obviously went extremely well that, that week 16 last season, pulling up the teams, you know, into the top 15, into the top 50 there with, with Curtis and with Blair. Very, very exciting. Uh, week four here, just some absolutely monster performances from some of our favorite wide receivers. Colin, I can see on the sheet that you had a team score 200 points. That's always very, very exciting. I didn't have any teams hit 200, but did have three teams, including the main event that you and I are in together, uh, either continued to be in or moved into first place in points. Uh, several of those, both first place in points and record, have an undefeated team with Ben's in first place in, in both, have a team with the ship chasing guys where we moved into first place in points, which obviously is very important. And uh, at least tempor- temporarily there, we're in the top 100 overall, probably changed after Monday Night Football with uh, Austin Eckler having another nice game. It was great to see. I mean, uh, sometimes when someone goes down, you're thinking, well, you never want anybody to get hurt, or at least the silver lining is they won't be scoring points against me. 
Well, that wasn't the case last night. He got banged up early, looked like he had injured an ankle, but then he was the main offensive weapon in a game that was not as explosive on both sides of the ball as we might have anticipated. Colin, very excited to be in first place with you. How are you feeling about our main event squad? Yeah, I think that main event squad is in a really good, really good position. Uh, there's a couple of players like that haven't really hit for us yet, and we maybe we're not 100% sure Trey Sermon is part of that roster this week. The running backs didn't do a huge amount. DeAndre Swift had a big week three, a little bit less this week. Didn't look as uh, as good in a, a game where we thought he probably would get a, quite a high score and outcome against the Bears, but that one didn't work out. But in terms of the wide receivers with Tyreek, with Debo Samuel, who just continues to look tremendous, I think we're in a, a really strong, strong position there with how that team has, has been built. And this week, actually, on that roster, we've had a few weeks where we started uh joe burrow and it wasn't working out great for us and Derek carr was off to a, a fast start and we we switched them around this week but we still we still got the job done so hopefully we'll be on a, a long run towards the end of the season with that roster and obviously you mentioned some of the other teams as well so off to a good start for you and those main events let's hope that continues that team that i had uh the screenshot of in a couple of teams actually across different formats this week hit into the 200s but that team with Teddy Bridgewater, the quarterback, that had 200.75 points. So we didn't get much of a day uh, out of Teddy B with the 7.42, but big days in that one for Hill. Metcalf having a solid day, DJ Moore having a big day. And then, of course, my man, James Conner, with the uh, the two, two TDs there. And who could forget the question Sean asked last week regarding Carterell Patterson and could he be the 0RB king in 2021? Well, he was for me this past week with 34.6 points on a, a number of different rosters who, uh, you know, are, are very thankful to Carderell for that. Uh, I know you and Ben talked about it uh, and his performance on the uh, recap show of Stadium Bananas. So we won't dive into him too much, but at this point in time, it looks like he may be a superstar for those zero RB rosters who, who took him in. And that league in particular, I actually was the last draft i did before the season drafted him in the 20th round so um hopefully that continues to to work out there for that roster speaking of ben as well your seeding bananas co-host first place overall in the scotch fishbowl and he has a 72 point split to the third position uh, uh you know he has a 23 point drop to second spot but uh showing rep representing seeding bananas there with uh read effect well Ben is decent at fantasy football, so we're, <laughs> we're not surprised there. Yeah, almost a hundred point gap to third place after only four weeks. He is he is really putting it on, folks, with that one. Uh, Colin, you've scored 55 points this week from your running backs. Did you draft either one of those guys in the first round? I mean, you you, you gave us a little spoiler. I mean, Patterson drafted at the end. Where did you draft James Conner in that one? I would I would have to go back and check. I would guess between eight and ten usually was a spot um, where where he would be going. And yeah, that was the the first running back off the the board in that team. We'll see how it goes. I know that uh, Ben did put up a tweet today saying how his zero RB season was going based on the Scott Fishbowl team. Um, he took Tony Pollard, I believe, as his first running back in that. But was getting quite a as you do if you post something on Twitter about zero RB was getting a little bit of. Uh, grief from people replying to him saying that you know it's going well now but it's, it's going to fall apart and the other thing that was mentioned to him was he's got very lucky that he has kind of 
you know four or five of the top 15 wide receivers on his roster you know but i guess that's all just down to down to luck yeah no you don't get better wide receivers if you draft him early that's uh (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah that i'm sure that that there kind of thing will will be going on to the the end of time but before we get into some of the other players we're going to talk about today we are on episode 296 we will hit episode 300 on next thursday's edition of the podcast we have been getting some questions sent our way for that bonus q a of non-football topics for myself and sean and we are also getting our suggestions in for the players to be in the intro uh, to the show i'm going to get that set up next week for the intro but sean the guy and again if people want to send the suggestions send them in to uh, myself or else send them to rotavizradio at gmail.com or overtimeardent at gmail.com but i think we'd be remiss not to mention the top candidate prior to last weekend and now definitely post last weekend he's found the end zone at last it is dj moore with his 31.9 points um great to see more getting into getting into the end zone but what was really fantastic is to see the variety of ways that this offense continues to try and use them um you know last year last year was kind of one end of the scale the year before was the other end of the scale now we're kind of seeing all of that combined into a a nice perfect mixture and this is the stefan Diggs jump just like we talked about all off season obviously we are not right on every guy we we actually make the comment that we're wrong pretty well constantly and the whole idea is to draft in a way in which you could be wrong and still win. But when you draft in that way and you're right on some key guys, then you know this is what happens. You, you get to have some teams that are pretty high up in the rankings, which obviously is exciting. So yes, DJ Moore in there. I, he seems like he'll obviously be one of the guys excited to see who else comes in there and ends up as the poster people for our team. Colin, it sounds like you had kind of a, a crazy non-football weekend as well. You're uh, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to be reading and watching football on your phone. You're not supposed to be driving over it. Yeah, this weekend, uh, and that slipped through uh, the cracks. I had thought I had I had forgot to add that in at the start. Uh, people may have seen it on Twitter. I was saying that my advice would be not to drive over your, I guess in the states you're probably calling it a cell phone, but your mobile phone. Um, it's not a good, you know, it's a suboptimal way to get your phone to continue to work <laughs> moving forward. Uh, so I, I was doing some recycling on Saturday. I took some glass bottles to the, the bottle bank and obviously my phone must have fell out of my pocket while I got in or out of the car. But I didn't realize this until I went to the next shop that I had to, to buy some things and couldn't find my phone. And I thought, I'll go back and check if it's there. And when I got back, I could see that there was kind of a a muddy tire track going over the phone so yeah phone is uh, no longer working so waiting for the new one to arrive um and it is you know there was some peace in not having a phone for a couple of days and then there's other parts where you're like i really want to check how this is going but um yeah sometimes having the phone taken away um for a couple of hours or a couple of days can kind of relax your mind a bit i guess you're not constantly looking at it but yeah i would definitely advise anyone listening uh, don't drive over um don't drive over your phone one thing that i the biggest knockback has been listening to podcasts over the last two or three days i've had to uh you know download them onto my ipad if i'm going in the car or anything like that so you know first word problems and all that sort of thing but uh <laughs> i think we'll we'll jump in we'll jump into some of these other guys sean um but yeah don't don't ever drive over your your phone it is a really bad idea when we look at some of the i guess we'll say maybe not under the radar guys but 
we have Tyreek, who is the monster day. We have like, and you know, people, people were talking about potentially being able to, you know, maybe teams had found out how to stop Tyreek Hill. I think we realized at the weekend that definitely hasn't happened. <laughs> uh, Tyreek is still doing what he's going to do. It won't be every week, but when these weeks hit, you pretty much, you know, win your week if you have him in your roster. DJ Moore, who looked great. Another player who I touched on, Debo Samuel, looking really good, even with the, the change in quarterback there uh, during that game. Terry McLaurin looking uh, pretty pretty effective as well. So any of those guys, Sean, that you want to highlight specifically? Well, one of the things that we see in that Chiefs game, right, is that the Eagles did try and take him away. And it was a little bit slower for both Hill and Kelsey, who actually did kind of have his first dud. Uh, you and I have a team where we drafted him first. We were going along right there, uh, right on the edge of first place until this week, and then dropped back a little bit in that one. Obviously, we don't expect that to continue either. But there's this combination of teams trying to take those guys away and having the overall defensive talent to do that. You know, we saw last night on Monday Night Football that the Chargers were able to limit a Raiders offense that had been very dynamic through three weeks. Now, part of that is sitting back, taking away some of the deep passes and encouraging teams to run. We saw the Raiders last night try and do that with Josh Jacobs. Uh, Jacobs, you know, partly you wonder if he's completely healthy because he did have some games over the first couple of seasons where he looked dynamic, breaking tackles. You know, he's got some good peripherals, that kind of thing. The problem always with Josh Jacobs is he's not going to be one of these guys who creates a bunch of big plays and he's not going to take those broken tackles and create a bunch of highlights. And so you, you do need him to break those tackles and to be kind of at his top level to just be good much less be a star. What we saw last night is that maybe he wasn't 100% yet. I mean, he he looked slow. Now, every once in a while, we have these weird games where even guys who are pretty good don't look very good. I mean, you mentioned DeAndre Swift in the intro, and, and he looked bad this week against the Bears, which was a little surprising. And, you know, what they weren't able to take advantage of garbage time quite as well as they have in some of the previous games, uh, in part because most of the points went to Khalif Raymond there. So that's that's kind of a, a funny one. And some of my deep leagues where I had guys injured and had some roster spots, I've added him before the week. Obviously didn't play him, probably still you know, won't ever be in that position, but it'll be interesting to track how he does going forward. We've had a big game from Cephas. We've had some big games from him. So looking there at the Lions. But kind of moving back to this topic of can you take these guys away, we've seen with the Chiefs, with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, we saw with the Raiders that and if your running back is not a star, then it's not ideal to be going that route. Now, you have some of these other guys, and if teams are encouraging you to run with Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook or you know players of that ilk, then it still more or less works fine. Edwards Alaire, another big game in this one. He was running against air a lot of the time, but as long as the, the team is able to move the ball and, and convert these first downs, and it's going to be harder to do against the Chiefs than against most teams because even if you can force them into third downs, which obviously you want to do, then you know they can still convert. I, I don't believe that there was a punt in this Chiefs-Eagles game, so I, and it probably won't be the first or the last time this season I mean that that will happen, right? No punts in Chiefs games is, is kind of the slogan, I think. So you look at this game, Hill then able to get behind the defense multiple times because at some point the defense has to step up and say, okay, you know, we do have to get some stops. It's not enough to make them take more plays. At, at some point, you've got to stop them from scoring touchdowns every time. 
I think that's going to be a problem for defenses. If Josh Gordon is able to get out there and add a third receiving threat, then that will especially be the case. So I'm very optimistic about this, right? We saw with this here, he has the 47 point game. He had a 50 plus point game last season. He's now got four games with 40 plus since the beginning of 2018. He's got five additional with 30 plus. And he now has 180 plus yards, six different times in his career, including twice this season. If you drafted Tyreek Hill in the first round, you're just going to be extremely excited about that, you know, unless or until he gets injured, which is obviously the case with all of these guys, as well as the teams have done so far, there has been, uh, you know, quite the, the level of attrition with all of the injuries that have taken place. Uh, Will Fuller, someone we liked a lot at this point, fortunately did not get him as often as I was hoping because always kind of dared other drafters to select him, trying to get him closer to ADP. He didn't go there very often in my drafts. Now it sounds like the broken finger. So it was unfortunate in some deep leagues to lose him early with how Devontae Parker ended up performing in that game. Uh, you'd like to think that Fuller actually would have had a pretty good line if he had played all the way through. Colin, what are your thoughts here on Hill and then on Stephon Diggs? We saw with Diggs, uh, he was one of these guys we expected to bounce back. He has the 7 for 118 in this game. A good performance, not necessarily a weak-winning performance with yeah, <laughs> in the same light that Hill had. But Diggs is the guy who was the number one pick for that ship-chasing team that I mentioned, has the very high point total. There are some guys on these teams who really haven't, done it yet and yet still sitting pretty because of the overall construction yeah i think with Diggs, there's i think as an overall nfl offense the bills look superb in terms of the options that they have i know there's the peripheral options you know like an emmanuel sanders who maybe we're not wanting to have as much value as he has in terms of what he's doing in that offense but they're proven to be extremely difficult to cover i had a a league this week where I actually was really stuck at tight end I started Dawson Knox which that was just showing how hot the weekend was running for me but when you see um the guys that have been started to be used around that we've talked you know a lot about the running back situation but Stefan Diggs is still one of the best wide receivers in the entire NFL and when he has a week that's you know 114 yards and seven receptions and we're thinking oh, that's not you know that's not a, a lot like that's a fantastic week for pretty much the vast majority i'd say of probably the top 10 wide receivers in the nfl and i think that we're going to see things really start to pick up for him there's going to be weeks where they really have to target him a lot more and i think that we're going to really start to see things pick up i think with digs if you are a digs drafter you just have to be patient you have to put them in there every single week and it's going to have those big weeks a bit like we talked a second ago about with tyreek hill i ha i have no concerns about digs moving forward we had a lot of concerns with ridley who you touched on there at the start of the season based on how things were going i i was very positive about him early in the off season and then we talked about you know matt ryan a number of times ryan has looked really really bad like outside of how we've seen uh ben roethlisberger look and how much he has fallen off over the last season um matt ryan's probably been as close to him in terms of veteran quarterbacks but he did look a little bit better this past week um you know even though they did end up losing to to washington he was receiving much more targets downfield which was a big concern um but the offense still doesn't look all that good but in terms of air yards um on the week had 198 air yards and his average depth of target uh, or average air yards per target was 15.2 did have 13 
uh, targets on the week. So I think there's some positive signs there. There might be life left in Calvin Ridley yet. So I talked about staying you know, calm if you're a digs owner. I think that's probably a little bit trickier based on how the season started for Atlanta. It's one thing to be calm when the offense is putting up you know 30 or 40 points a week. And even in this past game, I think it's back-to-back shutouts for the Bills as well. So they haven't had to really push on and, and put up the points, even though they still are putting up the points in, in those game scripts. They're still being very, very uh, aggressive in what they're doing. So I think Diggs is, is perfectly fine. Ridley has shown a step forward, I think, and hopefully that offense will will continue to improve. I'm going to wait to just after the break, Sean, but I am going to get your thoughts on Calvin Ridley, uh, but we'll do that right after the break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. NFL football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find NFL tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. One of my bucket list items is certainly to head on over and see my Green Bay Packers over in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. I'm super excited to see how this season plays out for the Packers. Whether it's the Packers or any other team that you want to head and get in on the action this season, and attend a game. Whether it's a home game for your favorite team or it's on the road, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash RotoViz today and use the promo code RotoViz to save 10% on your first order. So if you're thinking of going to a game this season, don't wait. Head on over, get those tickets, use the code RotoViz. That is TickPick.com slash RotoViz. Sean, I teased it before the break. I said Calvin Ridley and things were starting to look a little bit more positive for him this past week, and maybe Matt Ryan was starting to, to improve. But we, we, I guess we can say now, we joked at the time it was probably a little bit serious. It was Matt Ryan versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. I did say that Tyler Heineke 
might be the, the best option. Is he the best option out of all three at this point? It seems to be. Well, we haven't seen what Fitzgerald could do so with Fitzpatrick. That. Fitzpatrick. We haven't seen what Fitzpatrick could do with that roster for more than you know half a game there. So we're not sure. But I was very impressed with Heineke, and he has a lot of flaws, right? But his enthusiasm, the way that he went after it, the way that he competed, and you know his teammates—it's not like his enthusiasm and competitiveness is the reason J.D. McKissick makes that fantastic play at the end to essentially win the game. But we saw his guys fight, and I think that the quarterback can really set the tone there. Heineke attacking with the arm, scrambling, getting his guys into situations, uh, even when he made some mistakes. And that was sort of in, in sharp contrast to some of the things we saw from some other quarterbacks, especially Kirk Cousins, who I felt like had a terrible, terrible game. You were asking about Calvin Ridley. Very exciting to see those 198 air yards. As you mentioned, this game could have been huge. He had three deep targets that he didn't haul in. The big thing there is all three of those were perfect passes from Matt Ryan. And so the two main things that we were concerned about for this offense were number one, the play calling had been atrocious for, you know, people participating in fantasy, right? That's, that's not what we wanted, but also wasn't good for the team from a reality perspective. And we're saying, okay, well, I hope Arthur Smith gets figured out how this team needs to attack. If they're going to be any good, if they're not going to go, you know, two and 14, three and 13, something like that. So to see the coach make the adjustments, that was very encouraging. The silo offense they ran in this game will work both for reality and for fantasy. Then the other thing is that Matt Ryan looked good, right? He looked like his old self. You know, anytime that we have some of these questions, they don't just immediately get erased when a guy has a stretch of bad games. But you think back to Tom Brady last season, how bad he looked for a stretch and then how things finished out. So I think there's some reason for optimism there. Now, you know, when we saw again, on Sunday night football with Tom Brady, that sometimes those questions can come back up, right? I mean, he looked absolutely atrocious against the Patriots, missing his guys all over the place, seeming to make wrong reads, having you know no arm strength. And yet we expect him to be fine in part because of the play calling, the talent that he has at his disposal, you know, you know, once Grok comes back, especially, and then his ability to process and make good decisions, even if the arm strength and really at this point accuracy is not there. So Reasons to expect that those kinds of things are flukes. We now have a little bit of that with Matt Ryan. You mentioned Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe not quite so much the case with him, right? And one of the most disappointing receivers through the first month, Juju Smith-Schuster, a guy that we did like, so obviously not all the guys are hitting. Roethlisberger had Juju open for a couple of long plays, possibly touchdowns, but definitely big plays in that game. The ball was not on him. And so the difference in kind of these two situations, number one, if you're getting good targets, then that's always a positive, right? But with Ryan and Ridley, those balls were right there. The balls were in Ridley's hands. They were difficult catches just because if you're down the field, the ball's away from your body. You're going to hit by the defender. You're going to hit by the ground. Everything happens very fast. I mean, so these are not drops. They're not you know, easy catches by any stretch. But you like to see it when it's close. We had plays with Roethlisberger and the definitely Drew Locke, one of the other top guys in terms of area. <laughs> Sutton, I mean, a couple weeks ago, Sutton looked like he might be one of the big uh, league winners and all of fantasy having that massive air yards game coming down with some of those targets, everything kind of turning up roses for him with the opportunity that was expanding with Jerry Judy out. And now with KJ Hamler out as well in this game, the combination of 
locks passing and the fact that now defenses don't have to be aware of other guys. Now, Noah Fant's still pretty good. Uh, he's probably the guy who can flourish with Locke there. They had decent rapport last year. He gets the, the touchdown and this one. So, uh, you know, if you have the tight end there, maybe you aren't, you aren't panicking. But for the rest of the guys here and for when Jerry Judy eventually comes back, now the number one thing is just that obviously anybody who suffers a concussion we're rooting for, we want their brain health to be good. And so, uh, you know, the best sign in all of those situations is for there to be minimal symptoms to clear the protocol quickly. You know, that's good for your overall life. And so that's the main thing we're rooting for. Uh, from a football perspective, it'll be good for the Broncos if he's able to come back. So we see some contrasts throughout the weekend in terms of the target profiles, the depth profiles, but then the accuracy of the passes and whether or not these deep targets, these air yards, have any chance of being catchable. Uh, some quarterbacks a little bit different than others in that category. And we know that that, you know, that's something that else that will also vary week to week. It's not just, okay, well, did the guy come down with the catch? You know, some of these deep targets are going to be off one week because they're difficult passes, right? The farther the ball travels down the field, every little bit that you're off in terms of your accuracy, you know, that gets exaggerated. Anytime that you have any, you know, slight miscommunication with the receiver, it, so many of these passes, you know, Drew Locke would throw them. They were not to his receiver. <laughs> you know, he would kind of make this gesture like, I thought you were going over here. And, you know, obviously the receiver is thinking to himself, Teddy Bridgewater would have read the right way and thrown the ball to me as opposed to now gesturing at me. But but some of those passes are going to be more accurate the next week. At the same time, and we talked about it last week, there's a big gap between the haves and the have-nots in terms of quality of quarterback play. And you, know, you see it very clearly when a good quarterback has a bad game, like we saw with the Rams. This was a little bit more of the Matthew Stafford that those of us who have followed the Lions you know, for decades have seen, which is not that he's bad by any stretch. And he's got the big arm talent. He makes good decisions. He understands the defense. And he puts up big fantasy weeks for the receivers pretty consistently. But there are also some of these plays that we saw against the Cardinals. Colin, I know that you are not an Arizona resident like I am, but we do like the Cardinals. Pretty exciting to have them as the undefeated team in football after one month. Yeah, they, they look fantastic. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the Cardinals, probably more than some of the other teams around the NFL. And that's because they have a lot of exciting playmakers. It's because I'm going to be heavily indebted to James Conner, depending on how my season runs this year. But you've touched on it a number of times. Like um, Chase Edmonds looks like he is getting shot out of a cannon on some of these plays. He had the rush attempt from the his own one or two yard line, which the defensive scheme left a lot to be desired but i think he picked up close to 50 yards on that on that rush but he just looks so quick so explosive and even aj green uh with a, a deep touchdown catch this past week so everything just turning the right way for for the cardinals at the moment um the rams interesting note on that just in terms of a coaching perspective sean mcveigh i think if he's leading at halftime at throughout his nfl coaching career so far is undefeated um and if he's losing at halftime i think it was it's a it's a massive split in terms of like failure to turn it into wins so that's gonna be something interesting to watch they, they seem to be like we've seen in those first three weeks they they can front run quite easily uh, a little bit trickier when they were trying to come behind against a, an offense who continued to put up points on them some really fun plays sean this week as well one of the ones that i really enjoyed that i had no didn't affect my week at all really was uh zach wilson's 
deep touchdown pass to Corey Davis where he kind of signaled to, to tell Davis to, to head towards the end zone. Really enjoyed that uh, out of the, the rookie quarterback. Um, some quarterbacks we've touched on so far with difficult weeks. We're going to touch on another one now just before we, we dive into towards the end of the show. But you mentioned Kirk Cousins' difficult week. Justin Jefferson had six receptions, um, 84 yards and a touchdown. And that all coming very, very early in the day. And that one looked like we were going to be, you know, when I seen him getting into the end zone, I was thinking, we're off to a big day here for, for Justin Jefferson. And if I'm right, I believe he caught a touchdown, which had a flag on the previous play, and they went straight back to him, got the touchdown. But things didn't really heat up from there. That game turned out to be quite tepid in terms of what was happening. But the quarterback, I'll let you go and talk about uh, Cousins if you want, but the one I want to touch on is Baker Mayfield. And, you know, Odell is coming back from his injury, Odell Beckham. Um, you know, there was concerns around that, but, you know, luck pretty good in his first outing back looked like his right running and explosiveness looked to be fantastic this past week but Mayfield just a number of times failing to be able to connect with him uh Beckham finished with 144 air yards on the week with seven targets but only two receptions for 27 yards so finished the week with with 5.1 points but this felt like it felt like there was at least 15 points left sitting on the board there for for Beckham this week and, and solely down to kind of open target passes that baker really should be completing for for this brown's offense if they're if they're going anywhere this year yeah this was a very disappointing game right because the anticipation for you know not even a, a low scoring game at this but a potential for a shootout was high and that never materialized both quarterbacks looked bad mayfield there was a lot of discussion after the game about the lack of accuracy one of the things that you always notice when you watch Mayfield is just how much effort he seems like he's having to put in to get the ball down to his guys at all. And I think that anytime that you're having to work that hard, it's going to be more difficult to be accurate, right? And we saw that on a number of occasions where he's got to really load up to make passes that other NFL quarterbacks just kind of flick the wrist and the ball is there. He sometimes he sometimes feels to me like if you watch Peyton Manning's last year too, in terms of how much effort he's trying to put in to get the velocity on the ball but he's obviously 10 years younger than than Manning was at that point yeah it, I mean it doesn't look good right it, and this game reminded everyone I'm sure of kind of where he was through his first couple of seasons you know where he was you know to an extent you know the first half of last year certainly the, the, the previous year the first half of last year they really protected him by running the ball extremely effectively with this sort of unparalleled tandem of Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, those guys, absolutely fantastic, just steamroll through teams. Then in the second half of last year, they were actually pretty pass heavy and he looked good. And the, you know, the plays work that thread of the run opens up the play action. You know, he was dynamic. He was accurate. They were scoring a lot of points. They looked good in the playoffs. And then the beginning of this season, solid as well. And then man, week four, it, it just was bad right now. Some of these, are actually going to be tricky passes for any NFL quarterback. But he did have those air yards numbers to Beckham. He had a specific play where Beckham had kind of gotten behind the defense, had an opportunity for a 50-yard touchdown. He dramatically underthrows him on that. Now, that is actually a, a pretty difficult deep pass, and, and a lot of guys are going to miss it. But the fact that he didn't really even get close, I, I think, is the thing that jumps up to you as being like, yeah, I mean, the arm strength simply not there. On the other side of the ball, it seemed like a little bit of an issue with decision-making, maybe coaching. A lot of these plays, you mentioned that Jefferson got the yardage and the score early. 
and then he kind of vanished. And so to an extent, you're thinking, okay, well, the Browns are trying to encourage the Vikings to throw in a different direction. If you've got Justin Jefferson, you've got to come back and you've got to have a little bit of a solution for that, right? You have a game here where Jefferson has seven targets. Adam Thielen has eight. KJ Osborne has seven. You cannot have that spread across the three wide receivers in a game where you're not moving the ball and not scoring any points. Tyler Conklin, six. I mean, he looked he looked fine. He looked solid. He didn't turn those into much in the way of receiving yards. But, I mean, you can't have these other three guys combined for 21 targets to Jefferson just having the seven. I mean, the efficiency levels are going to vary a little bit week to week. It's not always going to be a case where you look back at it and you're like, well, Jefferson was extraordinarily efficient. These other guys were wildly inefficient. You know, that should have been the signal to throw it to Jefferson. I mean, that's hindsight, right? But at the same time, as you're going through the game, I mean, you got to get your star involved. You know, he has 30 fewer air yards than Thielen. Thielen's someone we like. He's a great story. He is one of the best red zone threats in the NFL. He needs to take a back seat. He's got to take a back seat when we're in the middle of the field as you're trying to move the ball. The Vikings didn't have any answers, and they kind of got worse throughout the game. They went through this stretch where Dalvin Cook was a little bit banged up. They go to Alexander Madison. He was stoned on almost all of his attempts. You know, so you get the three and outs. And then suddenly the, the Browns are back out there killing clock with their backs. So, I mean, you have some game situations that aren't going to always be like this, but the Vikings going into this game one and two, I mean, this was a kind of a desperation game for them. They didn't play it that way. And so, you know, unfortunately it seems like we're probably headed for a coaching staff change there. Kind of a, a very different situation, but another one where, you know, you might be worried about, the wide receiver in the game with the Vikings at the very least Jefferson actually did score you know quite a few points you can't be too disappointed there if you started him in your fantasy lineup the same thing not true for CeeDee Lamb and Lamb looked so good there in week one solid in week two the last two weeks I mean week three is sort of a down week for fantasy but he makes some big plays he looks like a star and then week four just you know not there at all now, this one is kind of, again, that example of, okay, if the team is going to say, okay, we're going to take away your best player, but you don't take away anything else, then you didn't accomplish anything, right? And so you look at what the Cowboys have done here. When they're in these two tight end sets, they're able to run the ball at will. Ezekiel Elliott, you know, we kind of joke all the time about this idea of, okay, well, you know, best shape of his life. And you're like, you look at the aging curve, you look at the injury curve, you look at the the numbers behind the numbers, and you've got to be a real optimist specifically about Ezekiel Elliott to be in on him for the 2021 season. Well, right now, the optimists look to be right. I mean, he looks good. The offensive line performing better when they're in these heavier sets. They're blowing teams off the ball, especially in situations where their team is more or less like, yeah, just run it against us. We we don't care. We don't want you to beat us with Lamb. We don't want you to beat us with Cooper. And again, at a certain point, you do have to make some stops. In this game here, I think the only players who didn't get involved in a big way were Lamb and Tony Pollard. So unfortunately, those are the guys that we, we tend to have in for our lineups. But Dalton Schultz with another big week. Uh, Blake Jarwin getting a little bit involved there. Ezekiel Elliott looking good. You have, I mean, if you're Amari Cooper fans, it's still pretty disconcerting. He was not very involved in week three. He has a couple of nice plays in this one, but it's really not on volume, right? It's on that extremely well just sort of exquisitely executed long touchdown but yeah i mean the cowboys are scoring at will defenses are going to have to figure out an approach that doesn't let themselves get blown out right i mean you can't take away cd lamb and have dalton schultz look like the best 
you know, tight end has ever played the game. That's not a defensive approach that's going to work. Yeah, no, I would agree. And the, the Cowboys at the minute are probably fitting a little bit into what I mentioned with the Bills earlier, where they are just, you know, putting up points at will. This was actually a pretty fun game to watch outside of the C.D. Lamb element of it, I guess, for us and Tony Pollard, who you mentioned. But he does only have eight targets through the last two games. He had five targets in this one and, and week four. In this one, though, Prescott only threw the ball 22 times. So, you know, if we're thinking about the split of it, he's just short of a quarter off the, you know, targets in this game. So it's a, it's a little bit tricky, but you mentioned Schultz, big day for him. Cooper with the, the lovely touchdown that you hit on as well. So there is concerns, but there is going to be games, I think, where the Cowboys are going to need to throw the ball more and we're going to see, you know, Lamb be able to, to have that. They, they have thrown uh, in back-to-back games at 27 or less time so there hasn't been a lot to go around and the running backs whether it was Pollard in previous games or Zeke looked fantastic you know we give we give grief to to, to Zeke a lot but uh, he did look great in this this previous game so let's hope that that turns around but I, I will say I said earlier I wasn't worried about a number of different wide receivers I'm starting to edge into that category of, of being a little bit worried with CD Lamb but you know, I, I still think there's going to be monster weeks this season for him. So I'll, I'll still be going ahead and getting them into those lineups. But let's hope things start to turn around. But I do think part of it is what you mentioned, teams trying to take him away. <clears throat> but we are seeing that with teams where they think, let's let's take away Tyreek Hill, but let's leave Travis Kelsey wide open. Or let's take away CD Lamb, but let everyone else score all the points and lose the game. So we'll see if maybe teams smarten up a little bit to that. But uh, like we we seen week one with the Packers and you know how it went for them and we've seen things turn around. I think we're starting to get a sample size of what things are going to look like and that would be my concern with Lamb. But we did see Adams really struggle week one. The Packers really struggle week one. Didn't have a big week this week, but has had big weeks in between. And I think you know that'll be the case for some of these wide receivers as we do go through the season. But that's going to take us to the end of the first Rotoviz Overtime podcast of the week. We will be back on Thursday with another show. As always, send in those questions for the bonus show after episode 300. Any questions you have for Sean or myself, we'll be happy to answer them. We'll probably record that one either next week or the week after. Give you a bonus show one of those weeks as always drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app we do appreciate it greatly send us in those suggestions for those players for the intro theme of the show and finally if you do want to sign up for rotoviz nfl pass you can get yourself 10 percent off a one-year subscription by adding the code rv radio 2021 art at checkout or going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information we do mention the tools a lot on the site uh on the show as well and um today we talked through some of the information and in, in sean's piece from earlier this week but i do want to mention as well the stealing signals tool that has been added to the site and sean's mentioned the monday review tool on a number of occasions i would highly recommend checking those out up on the site of course if you have the subscription get full access to all of those as well as well as all of sean's content and all the other articles up on the website my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtimarlin. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Make sure you check out Stealing Bananas as well with Sean and Ben Gretsch. The recap show comes out every Monday. It is up and ready to listen if you're listening to this now and looking for more content. Head on over and check that out. Make sure you subscribe to all of the Road of His podcast feeds. And until we're back with another episode, have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.